The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. Don't forget people with HIV. Our motto is, it's not over yet. There's still people out there who are hurting, and many who need to know that Jesus brings hope to people living with HIV and AIDS. Jesus always brings hope in every circumstance. Our first-person guest coming up in a moment is Bruce Sonnenberg of He Intends Victory, a ministry to the many who still suffer from the HIV virus. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before we start, please take advantage of our first-person website and smartphone app. Both allow you to listen anytime to a wide range of interviews as people talk about their faith in Christ and how their life has changed as a result. Listen on demand at firstpersoninterview.com or by using the app you can download programs to listen to offline anytime. Search for the app in your favorite app store. It's called First Person Interview. Bruce Sonnenberg is the founder and executive director of He Intends Victory, reaching out in the name of Christ to those who suffer from AIDS, HIV, many of them children and innocent victims. We'll have more information about Bruce and this ministry in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. As we begin, I asked Bruce to explain exactly what this organization does. Intense Victory is a Christian ministry committed to those with HIV and AIDS. Hmm. We, we say that it's a Christian ministry to those infected and affected by HIV and AIDS. Okay. It's, it's an outreach to those who are facing this in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I think myself, along with a lot of other people, thought, well, I thought that was something in the past. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about that anymore, but it's not the case, is it? It's not the case, and that's that's the difficulty of ministry today, especially in Western countries, uh, when it comes to explaining or encouraging or educating people on the issues of HIV and AIDS. Uh, in the Western world, medications are available. They're still very expensive, but they're mostly covered by uh, insurance, medical insurance, or by the government. But in much of the world today, even yet, many, many people, millions of people without medications. Mm. So He Intends Victory is involved both domestically and internationally, right? Yes, we're in 17 countries of the world, uh, in Asia, in Africa, in Central America, South America, and then, of course, the United States. Uh As a matter of fact, you recently went back to Africa. I'm not sure how many trips you've made in over the years, but this last one was just a couple of months ago. Tell me about the trip. Yeah, it was a wonderful journey to Kenya. And generally, I try to get uh, to eight or nine countries in a year. I go and, and see how our staffs are doing and how things are going and if the funds are getting there correctly and how everything looks. And I mostly go to visit the people with HIV and AIDS and how they're doing. And so it was a wonderful journey. Uh, getting there was a little more challenging in these COVID days, but also well worth it because uh, when you get there, there's dancing and there's joy and there's great excitement in the midst of this pandemic called HIV as well as COVID. Yeah. What are you able to do to help victims? We provide a lot of different types of services, uh, from everything from uh, goats and livestock to food to uh, medical care. Uh, we don't provide the HIV medications because they are so expensive and 
in most of the countries that we serve, they are available, but we provide uh, clothing and encouragement and education and, and the list goes on and on. Uh, we, call, we call them acts of kindness. And last year, uh, He Intends Victory provided 655,000 383 acts of kindness. Uh, not 384. <laughs> no, I make everybody count. <laughs> I like that, acts uh, of kindness. And, and how, how do you have the wherewithal to do that? Well, you know, God's people are generous. And uh, I tell them in Africa all the time, I said, Americans are a very generous people. And Christian Americans are even more generous. And I said, but the one thing Americans really appreciate is appreciation. Americans, like all of us, I think we all like to be thanked if we're doing something that's kind. We like to be appreciated. So we teach people in Africa and in other parts of the world to say thank you to so many of our donors who, who give so much that we can be there on the front lines and help people eat and have uh, clothing and, and, and deal with sicknesses and just live life. Mm-hmm. Well, pick one of these countries and tell us what, what it's like for a victim of HIV-AIDS. What, what is life like for them? All right. I'll, I'll choose Uganda, uh, although uh, there are countries that we serve in that are a little more poor. But Uganda is a poor nation. And in every nation, you have the very wealthy, the wealthy, and then you have the middle class, and then you have the poor, and then you have the very poor. Uh, Uganda we have the very poor as a very large class of people. You still have some very wealthy people there, but it's a smaller group, but the largest group are the, are the poor. But amongst the poor is the very poor, and those are those with HIV and AIDS. Because in much of the world yet, there's still stigma going on with HIV. So if someone finds out you're HIV positive at work, you can lose your job if you have a job. If, you, if someone hears that your children are HIV positive, they can be forced out of their church, out of their school, or they can even be forced out of their churches. So, although that's changing gradually, it's still a big issue in Uganda. So, people with HIV have to do the best they can with what they've got. And because it's an agrarian society, most people have a little acreage here or there where they can grow uh, food. And then they try to barter with what crops they do get to survive. Yeah. Most of these with HIV find it difficult just to survive. Then their children are supposed to go to school. Now, schooling is free in Uganda, but you have to have a uniform in, in order to go. And costing a uniform costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So children don't go to school because they don't have uniforms. Uh, but it's a, it's a big challenge. So we try to help with uh, uniforms and tuition. We have a whole uh, AIDS orphan program called Terry's Kids, and we sponsor children who are in many different schools. As they get older and become uh, and go into high school and university, we call them Amy's Friends, and so we have a program for them as well. So we have about 300 children that we are sponsoring on a regular basis in their schools to get a better education and to really help their families. And... Uh, Along with that, we provide food, and, you know, life is tough, and it's a challenge. And uh, if, uh, if the rains don't come and the crops don't come in, people start starving. Uh, so there's a lot to do in every country. Yeah. Uganda is one of them. 
Well, it's particularly sad to think of the children who are infected through no fault of their own, of course. Um, What are some of the numbers involved? Help us get a handle on that. It's pretty widespread, isn't it? Well, HIV uh, in the world today, there's about 38 million people who are infected. Of that infection rate, uh, we have about 1.2 million children who are HIV positive themselves. They were born HIV positive. And so then their life is a bigger challenge, even just as a poor child, it's just a great challenge. How does that affect them medically with, is, once they have the medication? What, what is life like for them? It's, in some ways, it becomes more normal. You know, they begin to feel better and feel stronger. Uh, if they can make it past the fifth year, uh, often when children are HIV positive, they're very sickly when they're young and before under five years of age. So when they're over five, they can begin to function in society somewhat. So it really is helpful to have these medications, but they're afraid for someone to find out. So they have to grow up with mom or dad. Usually one person, one parent or the other has died. They have to grow up with someone saying, don't say anything to anyone or don't tell anyone. Uh, they have to then deal with it themselves if they're HIV positive and not say anything to other people. And, and it's very challenging that way, both going to school and going to church. And yet it's so prominent among people. In countries like Uganda where uh, HIV is, uh, where there's over a million, 1.2 million people with HIV in Uganda, uh, 1.1 million people in Kenya, 1.7 million people in Malawi, you're talking about millions and millions of people being HIV positive, and then that trickles down into the lives of the children. So the numbers are increasing? They're not going down? The numbers are interesting. Uh, they are not going down, but they are not increasing very much. They've slowed down because when someone takes the medication on an ongoing regular basis, and that is a challenge sometimes, but when they take it on an ongoing basis, as an adult, you are not as infectious as if you don't take it. So uh, less babies are being born HIV positive. Mm-hmm. Is abstinence uh, making any inroads in fighting this? In some countries, it's very effective. Other countries, their culture plays into this and abstinence. You know, if you're a 14 year old boy and you're out in a village and you're 13-year-old girl walks by and out in the farm and you're watching your sheep or goats and something happens and inside you and something inside of her and suddenly they have sex and then the girl gets pregnant and the boy didn't realize he was positive and he infected her and then the, the baby's born HIV positive and that's just one avenue of infection. So the infection rate is is what I say is interesting. It's going down, but a very little amount at a time. We're learning much from Bruce Sonnenberg of He Intends Victory. Our conversation will continue in just a moment. And there are so many stories of God at work through the Far East Broadcasting Company. We just had to find a way to tell more. Well, you know, Wayne, hearing all these testimonies has absolutely changed my life. 
and I want to use a podcast to be able to go deeper with some of the real stories that I get to see as the gospel's going out all around the world. And these stories will change your life too. So listen to the new weekly podcast until all have heard from FEBC. Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms, or go to febc.org. My guest is Bruce Sonneberg. Bruce is the founder of He Intends Victory, a ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We've talked about uh, Bruce's recent trip and ministry on the continent of Africa, but Africa is not the only place where this is a need. It's a need right here at home. You live in Orange County, California, so I do right there and in, in, in every place in America. And how did this start for you? I mean, you were a pastor, Bruce. How did the Lord lay this on your heart? Well, it, it was in the late 1980s. And I can be honest, the evangelical church was doing nothing to help people with HIV and AIDS. There were two attitudes. One was, hey, listen, these guys did it to themselves. Two, the attitude was, well, it's God's punishment to people who shouldn't be doing things they're doing. Uh, And so the evangelical churches had backed off completely. And at the same time, two guys in my church came to me one day and said, we're HIV positive. We'd we don't know what to do. And they were part of a program for homeless men, and they were both tested in that program and found to be HIV positive and didn't know where to go. Okay. So out of that, we started a program or actually a support group for people with HIV. Uh, at the same time, there were two other experiences that I had with people with HIV. One, the son of some members of our church who lived in Hollywood. He had been involved uh, in... Uh, gay relationship and lived in that relationship and his partner died of AIDS and he found out he was HIV positive he didn't know how to talk to his parents so he asked if I could help him and I did and I was blessed to and through that he came to the Lord and lived for another 12 years Uh, and then there was also a young man who had given his life to the Lord at our church and his sister and brother-in-law were part of our church the village church of Irvine and um, through that, he got very sick. Uh, through that time, he got very sick, ended up in the hospital, and was dying of AIDS when I went in to visit him. And I'd never seen anybody actually dying of HIV and AIDS infection. And uh, it was a rather moving time in my life. And I prayed with him, and he accepted. Yeah, he already knew the Lord, but I prayed with him, and I said, are you ready to go to heaven? Because you're not going to live much longer. And 20 minutes later, he died. Wow. And he was ready to go to heaven. And I was glad for that. Yeah. So the Lord really laid this call on your heart, and it was a very specific call, wasn't it? Sure was, and has continued to be very specific. And that is uh, people with HIV and AIDS are hurting. And we as the church, uh, much of the evangelical church anyway, have ignored people with HIV and AIDS, and yet Jesus would help them. That was our question early on. What would Jesus do to people with HIV? Well, he would reach out and touch them. And so I used uh, uh, the Luke chapter 5, the story of Jesus and the leper, the man who comes running up to him and falls at his feet and says, Lord, if you will, you can cl- make me clean. And then Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper and said, I will, will make you clean. I always bring out when I share that, that Jesus touched the man before he healed the man. And that's significant because that made Jesus unclean for a little while. And it, may, it took that uncleanliness to himself 
to make that man clean. And, and HIV is a lot like that. People feel dirty. They feel like I did something I shouldn't have. I got into this mess. I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, I will make you clean. In fact, in the last year, over 8,000 people facing HIV and AIDS gave their lives to the Lord Jesus. And that's been consistent for the last 20 years. And I'm talking about Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and just kind of regular people out there who realize their need for eternal life through Jesus. Well, it's amazing to me that all this is happening, and it's happening so quietly, because, well, number one, we don't think about HIV AIDS in our culture anymore, do we? It's kind of, we, we assume everything's all right, but there are still victims out there. Yeah, and, and if you watch television, you even see commercials on TV supporting people who are HIV positive with, with medications and all of these types of things. But in much of the world yet, HIV is still a major disease with major stigma. And so there's consequences and there's opportunities and there's a challenge and there's educational needs and the list goes on and we don't even know about it in the West. Well, right in your own community, how do you find people to minister to? It's not hard. Um, in each country, we have a, a country director. Uh, most of our country directors are already working in that area. Uh, many of them have been pastors. A few of them are HIV positive themselves, people who are positive. And from the country director and working our way down into the community, uh, people hear about us. You know, they, they, the neighbor just heard that there is somebody's HIV positive. So they'll go over and say, listen, I'm HIV positive too. And although people don't want anything to do with you, we do. We'll love you. We'll accept you. And so they start coming to a support group. So in Malawi, we have almost 300 support groups. And each one, they continue to grow. Uh, each one is limited to 15 people in Malawi. But in Ethiopia, we have a support group with 200 people. And literally, we have over 12,000 people whom we serve uh, on a weekly and monthly basis who are HIV positive, mm. plus their children. Yeah. Well, personalize this for me, right Right in your own community there. Talk to me about someone whose life is affected in this way and how, how you and, and ultimately, of course, the Lord has reached out to them. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about Resty. In fact, I spoke with Resty this morning. Uh, she was a little, just almost into junior high when we first met her. Her parents had both died of HIV. She was living with a, an aunt, and uh, she was involved in her church, her little church. And the pastor of the church uh, really took her under his wing, and his, he and his wife, and really loved her. In fact, he took 17 kids under his wing uh, because uh, they had no really real place to go. And so we met Resty, and uh, we got a, a sponsor for her right away. And she worked her way through high school and into college. She's ready to go to college. Her sponsors got together. We've got a number of people to sponsor her because it's more expensive to go to college than $40, $40 a month for school. Hmm. And, and so uh, she went through university. She's just ready to graduate. This month, she'll be graduating from university. And uh, life is not easy, but she says, uh, I said, what would you tell everybody if you had a chance to speak to them today? And she would say, I would say to anyone who is HIV positive, Turn to the Lord, because He will help you through, as He's helped me. And He will never, ever forget you. 
Now, Resty didn't have it easy. When she was in college, she was raped mm. in her sophomore year, and her only sexual encounter left her HIV positive. Yeah. Wow. But her attitude is still the same. Follow the Lord. Draw close to him. And God has people all over the world who will help you and encourage you. So I was really blessed that she said that to us today. And I would say that to everyone listening. Don't forget people with HIV. Our motto is, it's not over yet. There's still people out there who are hurting. And many who need to know that Jesus brings hope to people living with HIV and AIDS. Yeah. But I'm sure you face this. There, We all have a certain reticence to get involved with someone who has this disease. Sure. I, and I understand caution. But unlike COVID, HIV is only passed on through certain ways uh, of transmission that we know about, uh, we're very sure about, and that's through blood transmission, trans, you know, blood-to-blood transfusion or sex can pass it on or body fluids, certain body fluids. That's it. Uh, mother to child transmission through nursing and so on. But other than that, you're not going to become HIV positive. So there's nothing really to fear. You can hug someone with HIV. You can drink out of the same glass. Not that I would recommend that for anybody, but uh, drink out of the same glass of water. You're not going to get HIV. Uh, HIV isn't in saliva or tears, but it is in your blood system. And so, uh, you know, you want to be cautious, but love those with HIV. Reach out to them. They're real people. They're normal people. And and when a, someone with HIV gets a cold, they think, is this it? Am I going to die? Is this the last time I'm going to breathe on this earth? But we've learned that with the proper care, medication, and, and eating properly, and, and all of those things, that you can really live a fairly normal, healthy life. That is a big challenge for us in countries today, in Tanzania or Malawi, where the medications are free, but there's not enough food for a a mother, for a widow, for she and her children. They have food for two days in front of them, and the mother knows if I give my children the food, they're going to not have a hungry stomach. So she gives the food to the children. She doesn't take food, but when she does that, she can't take her medications because they burn holes in your stomach. And so it's a big uh, dilemma. So we have farms in Malawi. We have uh, four farms, farms, three in Malawi, one in Tanzania, and we raise food for people and by people with HIV, for people with HIV. Uh, we have food programs in different countries. Uh, we have microeconomics, uh, where we, uh, we just opened a barbershop in Ethiopia Uh, for people with HIV and and have trained people who are HIV positive how to cut hair. We're always looking for new opportunities for those things. Once again, we'll have additional information about He Intends Victory in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. It offers much-needed help both here in the U.S. and in Africa, as we learned. Go to firstpersoninterview.com and learn more by following the links. Earlier, you heard about the podcast from the Far East Broadcasting Company called Until All Have Heard. I hope that in addition to First Person, that you'll also subscribe to this podcast from FEBC that features some of the many stories resulting from the hundreds of hours of radio programming produced by FEBC. Ed Cannon joins me each week 
Subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms. Search for Until All Have Heard. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.